Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today is the second message of the series. Uh, We wanted to start on marriage. And we said this is a great message for singles. Oh, my goodness, a great message, great message for singles, great message for marriage. You you might want to get married, and so it's a great message for preparation for that. And if you... Uh, have the best marriage in the world, you don't want a better marriage, uh, and you're single that you don't want to get married, well, I hope you'll stay tuned to this, this series because there are plenty of people who need your assistance that uh, they want to know um, and someone to mentor them in the things of God on marriage. So uh, it doesn't matter what state you're in or where you are, this series is for you. Well, let's begin with a review, and you see the title of the message today, they were both naked and were not ashamed. So we said we know the people want to hear about this message. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so we're going to uh, talk about that. But first, let's, let's review. review. Uh, we have about five things that I want to say to you today in between uh, the review and the closing. There'll be five things, but I don't think I'm going to get to five. I might, but I don't think I'm going to get to five things. Um, uh, but we'll start on them, and we'll see where we go with that. Uh, let's open our, our Bibles, and, and uh, to, we'll start in Genesis. Let's start there. Genesis chapter 2. And in review, <clears throat> I said last week, uh, the title of the message was, what is a biblically successful marriage really about? What is it really about? And we said it was about two things. First thing is about a revelation of God's glory. We said that. We said number two that it was a great mystery. So those are the two points that I brought out last week and the messages are on our website uh, and, and you can listen to them and, and share them with anybody. And, and people listen to them that's not even in Lynchburg, it's out of state. So um, you can listen to them at any time. They, they're usually put on the website on Tuesday. And Tuesday night or any time after that, you can listen to a message if you miss one or listen to it again. We're going to eliminate some of the scriptures that I brought out last week that I didn't really unpack didn't illuminate, and I wanted to, and I told you I would do that, go back and, and, and tell you some more details and get more in, in depth about some of the scriptures. Well, let's start in chapter 2 uh, of Genesis, and let's start in verse 18. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Verse 22. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. We went over those pretty good last week. Verse 23. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, 
because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, for this reason. Now what reason is that? For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother. For this reason we'll have to go back to what he said in that the Lord fashioned a woman, he brought her to the man, and the man uh, realized because of what God has had revealed to him that this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, and that she was taken out of man. So he knew that, that God had done something special just for him because he had already said that man should not be alone. He had already named all the animals. He knew that uh, there was not a, a help of sewer for him out of the animals. So uh, when God brought it to him, he said, okay, this is what God has done for me. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. So because God did a special thing, because he, he brought him a help of sewer for him, God didn't want the relationship to be the same with the man in his relationship with those who are around him to uh, be in a, in, in a different than, he want to be very different than what it was. Now, let's, let's look here and say something that you need to know. 24 and 25 is going forward, is going into the future of what God has in store for man. This is not speaking of just now when, when he was talking to Adam. It's just not a now thing. This is now a prophetic thing. This is future thing speaking. Now, how would I know that? Why would we say that? He said, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Well, how is he going to leave a mother when Adam didn't have a mother? Did he have a mother? He had no mother. No mother whatsoever. He didn't have an earthly father either, did he? No, he didn't have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. So now, we see that he couldn't be talking about present tense. He couldn't be talking about Oh, Adam, I want you to leave your father and your mother. I want you to cleave, as the King James say, or be joined to your wife. No. No, 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 no. He's speaking future. He's speaking for generations and generations to come into existence how he wanted a relationship to be between a husband and a wife. That's what he was speaking. So, when we look at this, we say, okay, I like that God. I like that. Now I can, I can, I can read this in context and understand what you're, what you're saying. Because when we're talking about leaving and cleaving, leaving and being joined to, then we have to be thinking about how is the relationship between uh, a, a father, a son, how is that relationship, because he was talking to the man about leaving and cleaving, how is that relationship? The, the, most, the closest, the tightest, the most personable relationship we have between earthly uh, individuals be a mother, a father, and their children. Is that correct? And we know that number one, 
we're not going to ever forget that number one is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We know that. Adam had that great relationship with his, his Heavenly Father. We know that. So we're not even speaking of messing up that relationship. We're speaking of, how about the earthly relationship? Parents and their children are the, the closest thing to the tightest thing in a relationship you're going to have. And, when, and the head of that relationship is supposed to be the father. Is that correct? It's supposed to be the father. And when he says, okay, from now on, man, I want you to leave your father and mother, that closest relationship you have, and I want you to be joined or cleave to that relationship now you have with your wife, that was very important. Very important for the future. Because if you don't do that, what you're doing is that you remember in Ephesians, it'll tell us that children, you're to obey your parents. For this is right in the Lord. Obey your parents. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise that all will prevail, that things will go well for you, that you'll live long on the earth. And so it tells us, uh, father, uh, not in parents, not to, uh, you know, exasperate or, or not to anger uh, your children, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, we know it says that. So now, how can we get this? This, this man from this submissive, obedient relationship with his father and parents to now a different relationship unless God commands it. And so God is commanding this that you got to leave what is closest to you, what you know is the a, is a safest relationship. I want you to leave that relationship and I want you to be joined to a relation, another relationship with your life partner. That's what I want you to do. Now, that's God's command. How can we picture that? Because if I don't see it in Scripture, see, I can't picture things unless I see it in Scripture. And so the closest thing that I can uh, see to that uh, and understand it, really, is that, do you mean, when I, you know, if I look up the words in, in, the, in the Hebrew, I look up the words, I say, well, you mean abandon. You meaning that we're to completely depart from this relationship. You, do you really mean that, Lord? Do you mean that, that, that uh, a man needs to abandon his, his parents and cleave to this relationship? What do you mean? How I see the definition of these words here, but I don't understand it. You need to give me some understanding, Lord. So I had to go to some understanding of this by looking at scriptures and see what he didn't mean as well as what he did mean. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 46. Let's go there. In verse 1. See, we're starting foundationally and going up because if you don't build a foundation properly, if it's not deep enough, wide enough, 
secure enough, stable enough. Whatever you build on it, when it, when it, when it, when it gets to be turbulent times, it'll fall. It'll crack. And you're not going to have anything. It's stable. So that's what we want marriage to be. And you remember I said that, that last week that we can't understand it like we think we understand it. We don't understand it like we think we understand it, all of us, because if we did, statistics wouldn't be what they are in the church. So somewhere we're missing it. So God's leading me to go slow, lay this firm foundation and build from there, and you might say, I thought we were going to be talking about this and this and that and this and that and that, you know, and all these things that you get in marriage seminars. No, we, we're, we're going a different way here. We're going a different way. Verse 1. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Bathsheba and offered sacrifices to God of his father, Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely, also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Bathsheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Let's stop there. Now, if we just go on a definition of words, and it says to, to leave means to abandon, it means to completely detach yourself from. When I look at scripture after that, I don't see that meaning in my mind. In other words, I don't see that he really means that you're going to distance yourself, abandon your parents, and don't have anything to do with your parents from that time on once you get married. I don't see that. So then what does he mean then? Because the scripture is true. He says leave and cleave. Then what does that mean? So the, so the, I do know that he means to detach himself to completely, you know, abandon, but I believe he means spiritually. In other words, that I used to uh, cling to, I used to um, depend upon my parents, my father, my mother telling me what to do, uh, explaining to me what to do, uh, uh, I used to say this is this is the closest and the tightest and, and the most secure relationship that I have. 
I don't want to leave this relationship, but spiritually, I have to. Spiritually, I'm no longer spiritually going to be under my parents. Spiritually, I have to leave, and I have to go another direction. I have to separate myself from my parents spiritually. I have to do that. So you say, well, okay, how does it work? One person gave an analogy uh, as if it were, uh, you've seen in circuses probably, uh, people on tram- trampeze and stuff, they, they're swinging, uh, and you've seen them swinging, and then all of a sudden they're going to swing and they're going to turn loose one and grab this other ball, you know, and you know, you've seen probably old Tarzan movies where he's swinging on a, on a vine and then he let it go and grab the other one. He keeps swinging, making progress. When you turn something loose, that's what I, spiritually I get a, a picture of. I've turned this relationship loose as far as my obedience, as far as my spiritual covering. I've turned this loose, but I'm cleaving to this other relationship because it's a totally different thing that God is doing in my life. What is God doing when, when I leave and cleave? My father used to be the head of the household where uh, I was under their, their spiritual authority, but now God is calling me to be head of my household, and I'm supposed to be a spiritual covering for my helper that's suitable for me. So I have to turn loose this in order to grasp this. I cannot stay in this relationship. It doesn't have anything to do with proximity, obviously, because if it were, if it were proximity, then Jacob's children, he's talking about all his grandchildren, his, his children, they, they were in, in, in proximity together. And if we want to go a little further, which I didn't uh, say, but let, let's talk about it. Noah, if, if, if his how many people were in, 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 in awe? Okay, Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives, right? They're their wives. Each one have a wife. If, they, if you completely abandoned, didn't have anything to do with them, then obviously they wouldn't have been able to be together. So it didn't have anything to do with proximity, but it did have something to do with spiritual relationship. Leaving and cleaving. That's what God is saying to do. Leave and cleave. So I have to have that picture in my mind if I'm going to get married. I have to have that in my mind, singles. You you know, if you're a woman, you're you're looking for someone who is going to have the wisdom to know that I have to marry someone that knows that they are going to be the spiritual authority of this, this, this relationship, and they have to uh, have left their parents spiritually, and they're going to cleave to join to me. But if you marry somebody that don't even have a clue, you're in trouble. And if you're married, like I am, then I, I have to know that I have a responsibility before God to have left my parents 
I, I honor my parents, but I'm no longer spiritually would be under my parents. I have a responsibility to uh, be joined to my life partner, Minerva. And I'm supposed to be the spiritual authority there and be the spiritual covering there. Also, I'll go to that a little later. It's pointing to, point, point to the future. Oh, man, it's pointing to the future. But we'll go through there a little bit, little bit different. Let's go to Matthew, the same. We'll talk about the same thing, but in Matthew 19, verse 3. Let's go there. This, this is the same type of thing. This is a verse I gave last week. Now let's illuminate it just a little bit more there. Uh, some, in verse 3, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife and, uh, for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, verse 5, for this reason a man, so he's just quoting what we just read from Genesis, a man shall leave and shall be joined to his wife. Then it says, and the two shall become one flesh. And the two shall become one flesh. So we talked about leaving. We talked about being joined, cleaving. Now let's illuminate a second thing. I said we will try to hit five things. Well, I just touched on one. And we, we did the introduction. We know the, the introduction and the closing is going to have five things sandwiched between then. I said I might get to four, maybe five, but definitely three. This is number, this is number one, two. What was number one? We illuminated leaving and cleaving. Leaving and being joined to. Okay, now let's, let's illuminate a little bit. And the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. Now, if I'm going to look at this, I have to think, God, what do you mean? We always talk about that. Well, you know, we're one flesh. We're one, you know. My husband and I, we're one. My wife and I, we're one. My nerve and I, are one. What do you mean we're one? We're two. Are we two? I'm here. She's there. Are we two? Or do you all see only one? We're two. So how are we going to be one? What does God mean? <clears throat> For a minute there, uh, we go, let's go back to Genesis. <laughs> let's go back to Genesis. Chapter 2, verse, verse uh, 24 again. Let's go back there. Now, you remember I said this is future, but it's falling in line. The, when, you, when, you, when you try to find out a meaning of a scripture, you have to take that scripture in light of the scriptures that surround it, in light of the flow of what's being said. You have to take that scripture in light of, of the whole book of, of, of the Zen also, and then from Genesis to Revelation. So you just don't take an isolated scripture and, and just try to uh, unpack that. This scripture, verse 24, comes right after verse what? 23. Is that right? Boy, y'all smart. Y'all a little smart. But what does 23 say? 
23 said that. The man said, now this is, this is now bone of my bones. Was he correct? Absolutely. Why? Because he took a rib, right? And fashioned a woman, built a woman. But he also said, and flesh of my flesh. Now we know he was asleep because the scripture said he was asleep. So we know that God had to reveal it to him for him to know it was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, right? So that means that with that bone, some flesh, also he used some flesh to still fashion that woman, didn't he? Because he wouldn't say flesh of my flesh. Do you understand? So if it's, if it's flesh of my flesh, now he says then, a little further down, and they shall become one flesh. But that's the only couple, the only married couple, the only one that man had a wife that could say that. Is that right? Nobody else could say that. Only Adam could say that about his wife. So what did God mean for the future? Because we said he's speaking future, prophetically in the future. What does it mean in the future about one flesh? Because surely God didn't put me to sleep, take a rib, and build Minerva. He didn't do it but one time. Is that correct? One time. So why, how can she be flesh of my flesh? How can she be that? Okay, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Let's go there. Let's, let, let's see, can we unpack this scripture, see what a little bit more about what God is saying here. Because he's saying some things. For generations and generations, I don't care what generation you're in, He's speaking for all the generations to come. Verse 15. Do you not know? Now, that's an interesting way to start off a verse because um, he's talking here, Paul to the Corinthians, and he said, Do you not know? That your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know that? So he, he's, he's talking to him about the subject of moral uh, looseness, fornication, adultery, and, you know, homosexuality. All that he's talking about in verse 9. Drunkards, swindlers, verse 10, thieves, covetousness. He's talking about all that. He's saying that we all was like that at one time, but now we're washed, we're sanctified. We're not like that now. So he's saying that you can't be doing the stuff you used to do. Because, verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ? And what do you mean the members of Christ? We all, when we get born again, 
become members of Christ's body. So, you know, universal, we're body, part of the body of Christ. But, it, but see, we got to get a picture of one whole man, Christ, many, many parts, just like we have parts of our body. We have one, one head, Christ, Jesus, one body, the body of Christ, many members. He says, can you take one of those members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Now, of course, they had prostitutes of the temple, you know, uh, so you, you can't be doing that, going to the temple and, and, and participating in pro, and with prostitutes and stuff like that. You can't do that. Verse 16. Or do you not know? So, so they, they, he's expecting them to know this stuff. That the one who joins, woohoo, that's the word that you've heard before. He could have said, the one who clings. Now, if you look it up in the Greek, this word join or cleave is different from the one over in Matthew 19. In that, it has a prefix, or, or just a word before it, just a you know, prefix before it. But then it's the same word, though. Okay, it's the same word, just with a prefix in front of it. That prefix means two. So we could say, do, do, do you not know that the one who, to join himself to a prostitute, same word, same thing, is one body, uh-oh, wonder, one body with her. So can you take a member of Christ and put this member with a prostitute? May it never be. Because you ought to know that if you join your body to her body, you are now cleaving, joining. You are indulging in what that call what we call one body. Ooh. With her. For he says, now he's speaking something now. Now he's he's he, he's quoting now. If Paul's gonna quote from scripture, where is he where is he gonna quote from? Old Testament. Old Testament. Old Testament. The, the New Testament. Not, not that he hasn't written it yet. He's, he's talking to him. So it says, okay. For it says, the two shall become one flesh. Where is that found? Genesis. Chapter 2. Right? Verse 24. Oh, now we're shining some light then on what does it mean to be one flesh then? See, he's telling us through, because I had to ask God, how am I going to stand up and teach something, unpack something, do some exegesis of scripture, and, and I don't even know. 
So you had to do some research. You had to find out some. Okay, so ask questions. You ask questions. You need to ask questions of Scripture. What do you mean by this, God? What do you mean? Sometimes the definition is in, sometimes the revelation is in definition, but not all the time. You got to go, you got to go to Scripture. I, I, like, I like for Scripture to speak on Scripture. So it tells me that to be one flesh with somebody, that means that you're going to join yourself to that person in a relationship that's called whatever we call it. You know, you know, how, you know what you call a relationship, right? Okay, because we might have some children in here. But anyway, uh, you, 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 when you have a sexual relationship with a person, you become in one flesh with that person. Simple. Simple. Okay? Simple. So he said, you can't do that. You can't do that. Then he goes a little further. But the one who joins himself, and that joining, he said, you're talking about joining. Now we're going spiritual now. Himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit. One spirit with the Lord. If we join ourselves to the Lord, we're one spirit with him. If we join ourselves to another person of the opposite sex, you know, that's only joining, I know, anyway, uh, it's going to be one flesh. God does not want but one flesh relationship that you to have. That's with your wife. That's it. That's it. Your husband. That's it. That's it. That's what he means by one flesh. Now you, you say, well, are you sure we one with Christ now? Absolutely sure. Positive sure. Positive I'm sure. Because let's, 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 let's go to it. Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, um, chapter 17, probably verse 22. Let's go there. You remember this is one of the longest prayers of Jesus, right? That's recorded. In, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, it says here, verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be, what's the word? One. Just as we are one. When you get joined, when you get born again, you're joined in the spirit realm. You're just one spirit with Christ. One spirit. One spirit. One spirit. One. One. God wants oneness, but he wants it in a proper way. So what do we mean by one flesh? Let's go a little bit further. Let's go over to Ephesians. Um, let's go to chapter 5. Ephesians. Let's go to verse 18. I think I want 18. Nope, don't want 18. 28. Verse 28. It says here, 
So husbands, we're talking about oneness. We're talking about one flesh, one, 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 oneness, one, oneness. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his own wife loves himself. Why, why does he say, how, how, if I, just because I love her, I love myself? How do I, how do, I do that? Because we are what? One. We are one. We've been joined together with one flesh. Then it says, for no one ever hated his own flesh. See, she's one flesh with me. But nourishes and cherishes it for as Christ also does the church. So he's speaking about Christ and the what? Church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's what it says. So we went one thing we said. We unpack what we mean by leaving and cleaving, leaving and joining. Number two, we talked about what we what we believe that God means by one flesh. How can it be if she's not taken from my rib and that flesh? How can it be? Now we know how it can, how it can be. And as we go along in the series, maybe, we'll talk about uh, how God means for things to happen. But we won't go there today. Let's uh, go to number three. Number three, we're going back to Genesis chapter two. That's our base scripture. Now we are hitting another part that I uh, just mentioned last week, but didn't really hit it totally. Verse 25, 24. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Then it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Why give me that information? What does that mean? Why put it there? What are you talking about? What significance does it have to this thing about Adam getting excited about this woman that you bring into him and you speaking prophetically about what's going to take place in the future, then you tell me that the man and his wife were both naked. And here I am sitting in 2015, and I can't picture that today. So what do you mean? Let's pursue some options here. <laughs> Could it mean that Adam was made, created by God? God said it is good. Everything he created was good, right? He built a woman 
So again, everything was good. Could it be they were perfect? Perfect bodies. Physical specimens. You know? Could he mean that? Well, if I said already that God is speaking way down the road, generations, he's talking about Noah, he's talking about um, Abraham, Sarah, he's talking about me, Minerva, he's talking about you. He's talking about all of us, right? It'll be a large, large, big stretch for me to say we are perfect. We have perfect bodies, right? Large stretch. I don't think that's in the picture. I don't think it's in the picture. And you'll see why as we go along. Could it be that he's speaking of a relationship between the husband and the wife that they're so close so tight that they are not ashamed of each other. Could it mean that? What could it mean? Let's go a little bit further and see what scripture says. Now, one thing we got to know is that Adam and God the father, Adam was under a covenant. It doesn't say it. Here, does it? But Adam was in covenant with God. He was in covenant. Uh, let's go to Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. If you get to Daniel and turn over a book, you'll be Hosea, Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. On your electronic devices, just punch it in. You got it. If you don't have either one, it's right there on the screen. For I delight in loyalty, which King James has said mercy, which means loving kindness, rather than sacrifice, and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offering. But, verse 7, like Adam. Now, if you're looking in the King James uh, in the version there, it will say like men. But if you have a new King James, when it says like men or like human beings or whatever it says, there will be a footnote there, there will be a letter there, and the footnote will say, originally it means Adam. In, in, in the origin, means Adam. Uh, of all the translations I looked at, uh, all of them had either a footnote, either said it right out like this one said it, or it had a footnote that says uh, the origin means Adam, except the King James didn't have that footnote, uh, even though the New King James did. Okay, but it, but like Adam, they have transgressed. Oh, my goodness. What are they transgressing? The covenant. What covenant? 
I don't remember reading in Genesis about Adam and God cutting the covenant. Do you? No. But that's what the scripture says. Like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. Now, usually covenants are between two people. They have an agreement. It's the closest thing that we think it is today, uh, which is not the closest, but we think it's closest, is contracts. But contracts are usually based on, really, uh, people who, I have to make sure you're not going to cheat me. So I'm gonna write, we're going to put this contract down. Because I don't, I don't trust you. Right? Anybody have a mortgage? Yeah. The bank doesn't trust you. And, and, and it's not in it. Two people didn't come together and say, okay, look, I'll tell you what. You write this. It's like a cell phone contract, you know. So you want me to sign this. Let me write. Let me get my lawyer. I'll, I'm going to put something other and you're going to sign it. If you want me to take, get a cell phone then you sign something too. No. One-sided, isn't it? These are the terms. You sign right there if you want to agree to it. Otherwise, you keep your landline. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Keep renting. And still you're going to sign a contract. (laughs) Yeah? But see, a covenant is not a contract. Is based on mutual trust. Mutual trust, not just a trust. And so uh, it's usually two people like Jonathan and David. They, 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 they had a covenant together. They agreed together. But see, God makes covenants. And, and usually if it's a, a greater or superior, uh, they just, because of their mercy, their grace, their, their love, they, they will make a contract. This is what God does, make a contract, make a covenant with us. And we don't have anything to say about it. Really. But praise God. Amen. You remember like um, uh, he did with Abraham, Abraham, how do I know that I'm going to have this? I mean, Eliezer, he, he's the only one. That I, how do I know I'm going to have these? How do I know this? God said, okay, I'll show you. What did he do with, do, do with him? He cut a covenant, didn't he, with him. Uh, but what, what, did, what did Abraham have to do? Nothing. God's the one who walked through the, through the cut animals. He's the one who, who set the terms of it. But he had to obey, didn't he? Well, see, let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to probably uh, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. He didn't suggest it, did he? He commanded it. This is what you to do. He, he also had commanded him before that that he um, cultivate the garden. Keep it. He commanded him to do that too. So Adam had some work to do, didn't he? 
But there were a lot of benefits that went there, didn't it? He brought the animals to him. Everything. He did, did all this stuff. So we had to find out then that he must have been, I, mean, I, I see here, that he didn't have anything to do. God, God had a covenant with him, and he knew, he, he had to know that, but we don't know it because it didn't say it in that place, but it did say it over another place, so we know he had a covenant. So how did that covenant work? I'm going to do this, and I want you to do this. Simple plan. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Now, come on. What are they going to eat now? I mean, they, they, they eat the fruit, they eat, they eat vegetables and all like that, but my goodness gracious, you know he didn't say that. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, Oh, you surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that they, now we know it's not physical eyes, is that correct? She didn't walk around with her eyes closed. She wasn't blind, right? So it didn't mean spiritual. It didn't mean physical eyes. It means spiritual eyes. Okay, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that uh, it was delight, a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable uh, to make one wise, she took from the fruit, from its fruit, and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and they ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lawn covering. So, let's ask a question. She saw that it would make them wise. He told them, God told them, look, Adam, uh, you can eat any tree you want to. In a tree. In a tree. But this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. Don't eat of it. Did he have enough knowledge? He, he, he named all the cattle, all the beasts, all the birds. He named them all. Didn't he have some knowledge? Yeah. He knew good. Because everything God did was good. But the difference between good and evil, he did not know, did he? But when he partook of the fruit of that tree, that's when spiritual eyes are open, and that's when he knew that the difference between good and evil. And now, whoo-hoo! I'm naked. That's what he said. I'm naked. 
we're going to stop here because <laughs> it's a little bit more we want to go here. Plus, we have, um, that was number three, right? They have two more, but not today. We're, we're going somewhere now. We're trying to, we're trying to, in, 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 in breaking the scripture down, I think it's going to, I know it's going to help us, if we, if we really listen now, it's going to help us to get foundations to where it's going to take our marriages, it's going to take our knowledge, it's going to take our wisdom of marriage to a different level. So that you can teach those uh, other people, you can live it out, and you can look for it if you're single. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Is God good? Is the word of God good? Amen. I, I, I love it. I tell you, I love it. Um, um, it just, you know, if we had all day, we would uh, we just sit here all day, and, and we just we won't get we wouldn't get hungry because we'd be eating anyway, wouldn't we? Eating the food of the Lord. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.